All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi, we are at Daytona International Speedway, where we have just watched the 65th annual Daytona 500. It was a good one. Was it? I, I was fine. It was a good race. It checked a lot of boxes. Okay. Late All race right. drama. I thought Late race drama check. I, I thought the racing was better than what we've seen last year on super speedways. Um, it wasn't, as you wrote of this on the athletic, and I agree with you, it wasn't the big moves that you sometimes see in past super speedway races, but it was an improvement over, I think last year. I also don't think this turned into a crash fest, which so often, I'm not saying there wasn't crashes in this, but sometimes these races really at the end can just like one crash, one crash, one crash, you know, it just, I don't think we got that. We got some drama. We got some strategy. I, I, I was okay with this. It wasn't the most memorable race. It's not a race you're going to look back and like, oh, my goodness, I'm never going to forget this. But it's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, half the field crashed, and there were two big ones. So <laughs> I mean, kind of, but I, I think what you're trying to say was it wasn't like a clown show crash yes, fest. Yes, that's, that's a better way like, to say it. Oh, that's, my gosh. Another yeah, one. Yeah, another restart. Oh, another. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Um yeah, but it's, in terms of the racing, though, you know, I, I actually think it was maybe, and you have a better memory than I do, so I could be totally setting myself up here. But, I hope so. Um, I don't think it was much different than the races we saw last year at the Super Speedways with the next-gen car. I mean, it seems like the comments about the next-gen car on, um, you know, the, the Super Speedways, Daytona and Talladega in particular have been, okay, like, hey, we're, we're very even, and we can't really get momentum in either lane, and once you lose your track position... You can't really make it up like you used to be able to. You can't stick it three wide and, and shoot up the middle. And, um, you know, the runs are different, and, and they stall out. And, you know, that's what we saw today. I mean, we saw 52 lead changes, which is the second most in Daytona 500 history, the most being um, in the tandem era, which you're never going to be able to replicate naturally without mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And it was like 70-something lead changes. But um, so, you know, aside from that um, – you know, but 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 so why were there lead changes? Well, I think you know to me it was because a lot of times it was okay. Well, here's one lane and they're very even, and this guy led this lap, and the next time they come around, this guy led, you know, the other guy led the other lap, and they switch and they kind of go back and forth. Um, I mean, there was different leaders too. I mean, you had 21 drivers out of the 40 drivers in the field lead at least one lap today. That's more than 50 percent. That is very good Thank math, you. Jordan. Thank you, gold star. Um, but you know, again, it, it was it was fine. It was, it was fine. Yeah, I, I guess the only thing is too. Is you, we heard a lot about when those big runs happened and blocking was a thing of how it was bad and what led to that. Like you want drivers kind of want to eliminate that a little bit, and well, they did that. We have, and now we get this form of racing. And to me, if you go back in the days of some of the better super speedway races, this is this was it. There was a little bit more of a strategy involved in this. You had to kind of set people up a little bit. You had to kind of use lap cars. As you saw with Brad Keselowski to, to your advantage, and so I, I think that's interesting. That's a, a different element that we don't always see in super speedway racing. Yeah, I don't really agree with you though. Like that, in in terms of like um, that, this was I like. I don't think this was any sort of old school super speedway race. I mean, to me, old older school super speedway races were like where you could really have three wide, and you know, like. Dale Sr. could uh, start at the, you know, he was 18th <laughs> yeah. or something and yeah. he'd work his way up sure. to the field. You know, having a strategy track position type race at a super speedway, um, I don't know, like that, I I think, and, and I get what you're saying about, uh, saying about the runs, like the drivers were saying, well, these runs are too big. Because there was a time with the, 
the last car where the runs were way too big and, and if you block them you were getting turned right and and we saw mm -hmm. a lot of that but then i think they got that package for a while to a really good place that super speedway package the last one um i'm not saying this was bad i'm just saying it wasn't like a classic race and i think they could i don't know what they do but i think they could maybe try to make some tweaks with it with to the package um you you look skeptical I just, you start tweaking with things you end up with the the byproduct is going to end up being something you don't even think of or want yeah but you can't just have this that type of racing every time you go to a super speedway just this two by two can't move locked in a line all day can't even really do much three wide or anything. You I mean, can that's make not moves. Guys made moves. Guys made passes. It wasn't the big sweeping like dynamic moves that you have, you you would see with old packages. But this, you could make moves. You could come from the back. I mean, how many times were they three wide today? I I don't know. I, it wasn't to me. It didn't jump out to me like, oh my goodness, I'm missing the three wide. There was times when it was three wide. There was some times I liked it. There's a little bit of handling involved too. Like there was, you know, guys you you. We saw Kyle Larson a couple times. Like his car got sideways on him. Um, a couple other guys, got, uh, Bubba Wallace, got a contact. He wasn't able to hang on to his car. I mean, that's it's cool to see that there's other elements in play of just hold it down there, go three wide, and, and hope you can get through the big one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I look. I would be much more upset if it had turned into like a, a single file uh, train against the wall the entire time, or mm -hmm. even for. I mean, that never happened. Right, no. like the field never once today got entirely. They never out settled all the way down. Around. No, no. I mean, there was times when, like, oh, you know, like the top twelve drivers single filed out, um, the, like the leaders, but then behind them was still too wide. There was never a moment um, that I saw, and I was up in the press box for up until the last forty laps or whatever. Um, there was never a moment, one one single time where. I looked down the entire field with single file, not once. So that's good. Yeah. Right. Like that's way better than some of the other stuff we've seen in the past where they are, they're like, all right, we're just going to ride. I mean, but I also feel like we got pretty spoiled with super speedway racing, um, right before the end of the next, the, of the last generation car, I think, because I, I was like, this is amazing. Like some of these races. <laughs> so I just think it's, it's, that's a hard standard to live up to. That's why I say some tweaks could be made. Why? Why do you? Why? Why would you just want to stay complacent? And be like, oh, it's fine. It's not, I, it's not. I don't because often when you start tweaking things and it comes to super speedway racing, you end up with the unintended consequence. Whether that's tandem race, you know, tandem, or whether it's the big the big runs that lead to big blocks, and then guys are causing these huge wrecks and cars are flipping or that kind of thing. You go back in the air when they start adjusting and making thing doing things. You always end up like, oh, you know what? Mm, we didn't think about that or we didn't see that one coming it's like this was okay like it was it's a happy medium almost between the craziness three wide daredevil stuff which i think we kind of at times was good but it also could lead to some issues and then also the boring let's just ride single file up against the wall and not pass anything this was a very happy medium for me yeah i mean it's that's your opinion i yeah i i really do think i i don't think this is I don't think this this like I'm saying it's fine, but I don't think this product, this racing product for NASCAR's biggest race and for, you know, Talladega coming up um, in the spring and then this being the regular season cutoff race and then another Tal Talladega race in the fall. Like um, there's big races. I mean, these are in big positions on the schedule, right? Like a lot of these super mm -hmm. speedways and um I think I think you should I think everybody should desire to see a more enticing show 
not just us get to the end of each of these races with the next gen car and be like, it was okay. Like, I think there should be a higher standard than that. That's, That's fair. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the race itself. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say this is like a huge upset necessarily. It's not like a completely out of nowhere winner, but a, certainly a long shot would have been in the odds. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, racing for a team that only had one win um, in their entire history, that being 2014 with A.J. Allmendinger at Watkins Glen. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., you know, despite, you know, I, I think everybody just sort of thinks super speedways, right? But those two super speedway races that he won were in 2017. That was a long time ago. He's been um, close before. He's had opportunities. I mean, he was leading this race last year with five laps to go. He finished second to Blaney in 2020 at Dega. I mean, he's been in the mix many times. Well, but since I would argue that since his two super speedway wins in that same year, since then he was more known for making, you know, causing crashes. Oh, or, yeah, you know, for like sure. There's no the doubt about spin it. spin house kind of thing. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he's definitely a driver who's got that reputation, but I do think that when he, you come to a super speedway, every time you come to Talladega, every time you come to Daytona and throw land in the mix now, like, he's a driver who you say, you got to keep an eye on him. He's somebody that could win and wouldn't be an upset. And I, I would think that when you come here, you look at the odds and you get good money and you get good value in Ricky Stenhouse, you throw five bucks down and you might, you might have a good chance to collect. I mean, I, okay, I will... Uh, I, I see what you're saying there, but also, and I'm not trying to be argumentative on every single point. You're argumentative about everything in life. Why, 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 why stop <laughs> no, now? No, but seriously, like think about our podcast the other night, right? We're going through all these people. Like, well, this this guy's a good super speed racer. Well, this guy yeah, is. Well, we, this guy's. We, we never didn't mention Stenhouse. Well, we, right. we didn't mention him, but there was a lot of guys we didn't mention. Like, we could have mentioned him. We didn't. But I did write about in the athletic. Like, there's a lot of guys that you can, you know, right? Be, but that's what I'm saying. But so. His, his my what I was trying to say was his reputation got established as like okay this guy whoa he won two super speedways in a year well we and but but since then like every year kind of progressively got like yeah I guess you know he's more likely to cause a wreck he's not even going to make it to the finish that's what I would have thought going in today like oh he's he's probably going to cause he's more likely to cause a wreck um, or be in a wreck than make it to the finish and win this race would have been my guess. You, you look skeptical on that. I don't know. I mean, he's fine. He, I mean, he's he puts himself in the mix, and that's all you can do over and over again in these races. And if you, you get... You Stenhouse defender all of a sudden on our season preview. Oh, yeah. No, no. That's a whole conversation. And I think I, I have to go back and listen, because I even think I said, outside of Speedways, like, you write this guy off. Like, you... Let me tell you. Outside of Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta, do not bet on him to win any races this year. But when you go to these races at Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta, he is certainly someone that if... You say, you know what? Why not? Why not throw five bucks on this guy if he's got thirty to one odds? I, I have a chance here to collect. Like he is somebody who's mixed. You go back to Atlanta a year ago in the spring, like he led some laps. He was up front in the mix, and then he got caught up in a wreck. Like, yeah, like these he he doesn't always finish races, but he is somebody that you have to pay attention to. What does this do for his life and career? This oh, win. this extends it because now he's Daytona five hundred. This extends winner. his life. Yeah, so that, <laughs> his career. Well, here's a question for you. This is kind of. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm probably going to write about this in The Athletic, and I kind of talk to some people, JTG. I feel like we're kind of in an era of special specialization a little bit. 
like look at like the colleague is a good example of this right with the, with the way the schedule sets up you've got all these road courses well we're gonna put aj almendinger in our car right we know that we're gonna have five races in the regular season we've got a really really good shot to win one of those and we can get in the playoffs and aj's good elsewhere too but like really on the road courses now if you look at it you got two daytonas two atlantas and a talladega in the regular season so five races of these super speedways. Like, there's value in Stenhouse of like, hey, if we can punch our ticket with him, one of those five races, and I'm not saying it's easy, but you can do it. Like, I think it opens the door up because you don't have to be a driver who's incredibly well-rounded anymore to, to make the playoffs and to win races and to be a threat. I, I mean, we don't think that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is going to be anything in the playoffs, but he can get you there, and he's got a shot to do it. I think we're kind of entering this era of specialization a little bit. I mean, it's it's an interesting point, um, but it kind of depends what your goals are as a team. Hundred percent agree on that. Some but teams want to win championships for JTG, which only had one career, one hit, win in their history, yep, and had not finished top twenty in points for years mm-hmm. now, right? Um, you could go, oh, okay, well, I mean, yeah. Stenhouse hadn't finished top twenty himself in points since twenty nineteen or something like that, twenty eighteen. I can't remember, um, and. You know, he only had one top five finish each of the last two years. So from that standpoint, if you're like, well, we just want to win a race and make the playoffs, yeah. boom, like mm-hmm. to your point. But, you know, if you're a team that wants to make a deep run, you can't just be like, all right, well. I agree. You know, because like you said, we're already writing. We're like, like my reaction was Stenhouse won. My, my train of thought, Stenhouse won. He's in the playoffs. He's a round well, one elimination. There's one guy that's out <laughs> yeah. in the first round or he's something out, like that. He's you know? out at Bristol. You know, and I agree. And it varies by team. But if I'm a JTG or I'm even a colleague or I'm a, a budding team that's trying to get off the ground, like you've got to take baby steps, right? We, first, we've got to run well. Then we got to win a race and then get in the playoffs. You grow from there. And then maybe you get to a point of saying, listen, it's not enough. We need to do more. But for this team and this driver, I think this is a really good, this is a good combination and it kind of fits for them. Well, one thing that's great, too, that you can tell is just really a special relationship is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Mike Kelly. Um, you know, you kind of I kind of feel for for Brian Patty, honestly, who was Stenhouse's crew chief. Yeah. You know, for a while. And then he leaves. Um, and, you know, first race, Mike Kelly, who was his, Stenhouse's formerly, um, six, you know, they were very successful together um, in the Xfinity Series, won championships mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and. You know, so they say, okay, hey, Mike, because Mike Kelly's still been on their team working mm-hmm. with. Brian yeah, he was Patty. behind the scenes role, right? Oh. Um, and so now I say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna elevate you, you know, to this crew chief role again, um, because he has such a great relationship with with Stenhouse, and I think it was your turn, <laughs> the Ricky Whisperer. Ricky Whisperer. <laughs> I love that. Um, Sorry, <laughs> but that's that's um, I think that's right. I mean, that's yeah. th- there's something to be said for that that chemistry and building somebody's confidence, and and it was really interesting because we've talked about JTG on the show, like. Man, they spend a lot of money. They do. They have a huge sponsor in Kroger mm-hmm. and all, all those Kroger brands that Kroger puts they on. They are one know? of the few teams, one of the very few teams who have the same sponsor for all 38 races. Right. You might see a different name on the but car. They, but it's all through Kroger. Right. Exactly. So, so listen, I mean, Mike Kelly sits up there tonight and he's like, look, we have everything we need. We have all the rigs. We have a uh, Hawkeye machine, mm-hmm. you know, the OSS to, to measure our stuff. We, we're not lacking for anything. Steno said the same thing. He said, when I moved over to, to from Roush to JTG, he kind of had in his head, like, you know, I don't know what this can be like. He went over there and he's like, wait a second. He's looking around going, they got everything. 
Like they're not lacking. Right. And so then the question is, well, what's, what's been going on? Why can't they perform? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's, I look, it's so <laughs> oversimplified to say this, but when you get a crew chief and driver that are on the same page that are so comfortable with each, with each other that they once slept in the same bed, um, <laughs> which by the way, the, the story is the team, um, they used to go to Michigan uh, when they go to Michigan, they get a lake house. I don't, I don't, I couldn't recall what year he said this was. Um, they get a lake house and they had like eight guys, you know, staying in four rooms and Stenhouse said, well, I want to come, you know, cause I want to spend time with my team cause it's important for me to build a team. And Mike Kelly was like, dude, the only th- option is you, we want to sleep in the same bed. And Stenhouse was like, all right, I'll do it. So he and his crew chief slept in the same bed. Uh, that's, that's the kind of relationship that they have. You know what I'm saying? God bless um, them. <laughs> so, you know, and, and Mike Kelly talked about how they've, you know, almost come to blows basically and end up on the ground wrestling over a bad call at Bristol or a call they disagreed on at Bristol. A pit call, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but, and then they're fine, but they, that's the, you know, they have that relationship where they are so, they, they so trust in each other and that goes a long way. I mean, look, that, is that why he won the Daytona 500? No, that's, you know, that's not a, a necessarily a crew chief type thing. Right. But as they go forward together, um, I mean, both of them are sitting up there saying, Hey, I think there's other races we can win too. And they're going to have to win other races if they want to be any sort of a factor in the playoffs, um, this fall, assuming there's not more than 16 winners, mm-hmm. but you know, I think, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. Can they, can they sort of do anything with this opportunity they have? Can they say, oh, okay, look, guys, we're in the playoffs. Let's, hey, we got to take a whole different approach to the season now. Let's see what we can, can we, can we get faster at these tracks? Can we, you know, start thinking about how we can get out of the first round? Because the higher they get, that's a lot of money. And it's weird because they had a stretch last spring. I think it was a four-race stretch where they finished eighth or better. And one of those finishes was a second at Dover. And it came out of nowhere. And you're like, whoa, they've turned the corner and they figured this out. And then after that, they had like one top 10 finish the rest of the year. And it's that's how this has been, though. It's been fit. It's been stops and starts like at times like, oh, they're kind of figuring this out. They've got it. And then, nope, they don't. And it'll be interesting to see what staying power they have out of this. And you talk to the, the team and they're like, hey, we, we you know, we've right. The, we've got the right person now. We've got the right mix now. Um, we've got more sh- support from Chevrolet. They've got time in the simulator. They've got these things. They they have a better relationship with Hendrick and in terms of an alliance. Like, okay, great. But you got to go out there and do it on a consistent basis. And that's always been the knock. Because you go back to 2014, and it seemed like they were kind of building something then even. Like, AJ was having good runs, just not at the road courses. They were starting to be more consistent. When Chris Buescher was with the team, he was running well like he was finishing he was like kind of on the fringe of playoff contention there and it looked like they just couldn't get over the hump and i don't know if you call this the hump tonight i mean it's daytona 500 and it's a win that's going to resonate for a long time but it goes kind of back to our earlier conversation about what are your goals are you know are your goals just to be a player and occasionally get a win and make the playoffs or they do something more and this is a this is a great first step but this if you want to be more and they have every capability of being more You've got to build off of this. And that's something they didn't do in 14. Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, people people were asking questions in the press conferences tonight about, like, you know, why stick with Ricky? Why even keep doing this as a team when you're not winning? Things like that, right? And their sponsors were in the room during this press conference. <laughs> yeah. And, like, 
actively oh yeah shouting out participating in the conversation like they freaking love ricky love. they love jtg they love jtg been with them for 15 years they so like i don't know that they need to i mean it's not like they need to do anything else to keep the sponsor. Anything else that happens from them for the rest of this year is oh, absolutely yeah. a bonus. It's like, golden. Their sponsors are so freaking happy right now, but they were already happy with them before this. Yeah. Like um, Tag Geschichter, who's the you know the main owner of, of the team with his wife Jody, and then there's obviously Brad Doherty as well. Um, he was saying like, look, Ricky basically has like 18 brands that are going to be on his car, mm -hmm. right? And so he has to do more work, you know, flying to various brand headquarters and, um, you know, all these extra meet and greets and all this stuff. And, and, you know, he's a spokesman that has to cover so many different things. And, you know, he's like, that's, that's our guy. Like it, we're, he's, he's all in on that. And so we're all in on him. So it's, it's sort of like the Eric Almarola Smithfield relationship, or now I think you're, you're seeing definitely the, the seeds plan with Alex Bowman and ally relationship where, it doesn't, you know, there's, there's more to, there's more to the relationship than certainly just the amount, the amount of trophies you get. Like they, there's deep roots that, and connections that these people make. And you know, if you're a young driver out there, find a sponsor that will love you forever. I mean, right. Like, no, and, I'm not and, kidding. When and I say be that. absolutely loyal to them yeah. and go above and beyond. Hopefully you get that loyalty back. Because if you can find someone to stick with you, I mean, Kurt Busch and Monster were another great example. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, that's, that's Kevin a Harvick and Kevin, ha Kevin Harvick and Anheuser Busch have been together since 2010. I mean, it's, they have a great relationship. You look at these relationships and they carry with you. And it's to the point where, in a Harvick's instance or in Almarola's instance, uh, Kurt Busch, they will move with you mm -hmm. to different teams and you take them with you. Like, it is. So yeah, you're right. It's it's about that relationship and maintaining that. And if you can do that, you can. Some cases you can pick your ride. You can right. pick your your team. Right. So I mean, it's incredible job security for for Stenhouse. Um, not so much job security for us if we were basing our job on our playoff picks because those are already ruined. <laughs> we already got one wrong. Yes, we Neither did. Neither of us had Stenhouse in the playoffs. No, we did not. Obviously. No, we did not. Um, but I think that it's interesting, Jordan, because... He technically hasn't technically made the playoffs yet, so well, we may not be wrong. We may, you know, you never let's know. Let's not start this. Are there going to be 17 winners already? I'm just saying. week one. Wait, last year it happened. Um, but I would, I would bet <laughs> that we are going to get through the first two weeks and have two different winners at Fontana next oh, week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Stenhouse is going to go win Fontana personally. Uh, I mean, no, maybe, no, maybe he'll run uh, off. No, but listen, what I was going to say was, um, and I can't, oh, somebody pointed this out on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, and I'm sorry to like steal your tweet, basically, or, or the theme of your tweet. But somebody was like, hey, look at the last three Daytona winners. Um, you've got Michael McDowell, Mm -hmm. One career win, mm -hmm. right? Austin Cindric. Aaron Bearden career. was the one who tweeted this, by the way. Oh, Aaron Bearden tweeted. I'm pretty that? sure it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shout out to Aaron. shout out to you, good, Aaron. Good kid, good guy. Um. Anyway, basically, the last three Daytona 500 winners, all first time winners for Daytona 500, by the way, um, they have a combined five career victories. Yeah. Um. So as much as we've talked about, and all five of those wins came on super speedways. Oh, good if point. You, yes. Yes. Right, because yeah. all, all well, three of Stenhouse yep. and McDowell and Cindric. Yep. So, you know, as much as we, we sat here on the last podcast talking about, and, and we've, it's been a theme, like, well, there's actually these good guys, you know, like Hamlin and stuff, and as much as we talk about it's kind of a fluke or whatever, you know, you know, it's actually the good guys who are in position more often than not. 
Well, in the Daytona 500, the biggest race the last few years, uh, we've had three straight upsets now. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's I, I don't know what to make of that. It, it's, it's just kind of weird to wrap your head around it because this is supposed to be you know, this is this is the race where the most people are watching. It's prestigious, and you're like, well, this guy won. And if you were a non-fan, you'd be like, well, who who is that? It'd be like, well, he does. He's not going to win anything else, probably. But this one, he won the biggest race. Or, you know? Yeah, I mean, you in a perfect world, your biggest, most marquee race is going to be a showcase of the best of the best, right? Like you know, like so and so is going to go there and the best driver with the best team, and they're going to win on a given day because they were the best. Well, <laughs> that hasn't happened here arguably since 2020 when Denny Hamlin won and as maybe we you know weren't completely blown away by Michael McDowell winning we weren't surprised we, you know it was a long shot but we weren't blown away same thing with Stenhouse long shot but again not completely unexpected it doesn't represent the overall state of they're the best driver and team in a season but that's I, I don't know how you change that though because that's I think it's part of the appeal, though, I agree. of the race. Like, it's I mean, you see an absolutely jam-packed crowd, yeah. and they're watching just like we are for, you know, three and a half hours of total, this is totally in doubt, and the field's all together, and there was, you know, for most of the race, there was like 33 cars on the lead lap or something. Yeah. I mean, it was, and they were all running together, and, you know, it's like, well, this anybody could win, and I think that's, that's part of the appeal is just so... It, you those, never know what's going to happen. Those two things, it's hard to sort yeah. of reconcile them in a way. Um, but, you know, at least if at least if you didn't know NASCAR or something, like mm -hmm. if you were trying to explain this to like sort of a newer fan who was getting into it, right? Um, but, you know, I mean, you've got, you've always got like the Trevor Baines of the world, you know, winning this race and, and things like that. And, um, you know, Stenhouse, I mean, he at least has three career wins yeah. now and... It reminds me of a golf tournament, like a major in a golf tournament. Like often you'll have the big way, you'll have the big names compete, but uh, regularly it's not infrequent where you get somebody completely out of nowhere who wins a golf tournament. And you're and there, there are certain majors. The PGA Championship is one of them. It has a reputation for being, I can't think of a better uh, unknowns that come out and win. And it doesn't dilute it. It's just it's kind of the appeal a little bit. And so it, it's different and it's fine. It doesn't ruin it, but. I don't know if you look back in the history of, I guess, maybe in the, the mid-90s when Gordon and Dale Jarrett were winning the D Daytona and that kind of... But really, for the most part, though, like, Michael Waltrip won two. Ward Burton won one. Like, Derek he, Cope. Derek Cope won one. I mean, like, it's not it's not unusual. Like, you yeah. can go further back. It's like, this is just part of it. It, it, it happens. Yeah. No, I, 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 I know. It's just kind yeah, of yeah. like... Um, so I don't, I don't know. We've I, seen three in a row now yeah. that are like upset, 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 essentially. Like yeah, at least, yeah, yeah. at least in terms of odds, For we, sure. we can say, oh, well that guy's on good on super. No, it's an race, upset. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but you, I guess though, you do want to see somebody like, it would be, I don't know, like a great driver team kind of like, like do you want to see greatness or do you want to see yeah, or do you like the, the unknown and the totally unexpected out of nowhere guy, you know, snag a playoff berth. Yeah. I don't you know? know. I don't, I don't know. Um, so also, uh, there was some other great stories, um, you know, uh, I mean, gosh, for, for one thing, in terms of like the pleasant surprises, um, and I'll go straight to 10th place on this one, <laughs> um, Riley Herbst, a guy who has never won an Xfinity race in 109 races, despite having really good equipment, uh -huh. makes his first cup start, doesn't have to qualify in cause he gets, um, uh, 
Rick you Ware know, Racing. Rick Ware. He's got, yeah, they yeah. got a charter. Right. And number 15 car. And uh, he finishes 10th. Yeah. In his first cup start, his first Daytona 500. Not bad. Shout out to him. Yeah. That's good I for mean, Rick Ware. He, that's a guy who gets um, <laughs> criticized a lot. I mean, he yeah. wrecks a lot of stuff. Yes, and, he does. I, I rode on know, the Athletic. He's got a, he's primarily got to ride in the Xfinity Series because he writes a big check. Well, not primarily, but I mean, that's, that's the I was reason. trying to be nice, right? but yeah. I mean, so, but, you know, hey, you, you keep it clean and you're there at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, Travis Pastrana is another one. Finished um, 11th. Finished 11th. How about that? Like, and, and, overcame you know, a penalty. He was, I mean, he had way less stock car experience than anybody in the field. Yes. Well, except for Connor Daly. Connor Daly has less stock car experience than um, Travis Pastrana. Yeah, but Connor Daly does have more laps in the next gen car, though, because he mid started a couple of races last year. Well, he, he had the Roval start. Yeah, the Roval yeah. start. Yeah, the yeah. team start four races. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, but he's the start rate. But he's so, you know, for Travis, you know, Travis Pastrana makes the race, and there was. We, hey, we were talking to somebody in the garage this morning that was saying, hey, there's, you know, kind of some drivers that felt like maybe this diluted things a little bit, like this action sports guy comes in and makes it, and this is this is making us look bad or something. We, we didn't feel that way, but no. apparently some drivers had felt that way, or there was some grumbling or, or something along those lines. And I think a lot of people thought, ah, Pastrana will wreck. He, uh, you know, as soon as he made it, you even saw the Twitter comments, oh, there's there's one of the cautions. Stay away from that guy. Right, right. And um, now he... It was a caution, but Almarola kind of gave him a bump yeah, there. Yeah, it wasn't his fault. At the end, he and um, he said, I mean, he was one lap away from getting a top 10, if not a top 5, potentially. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was so impressive. And what's I think what's very unusual, you don't hear this very much, because a lot of times if someone has a taste of like, man, that was awesome for like a good run in NASCAR or anywhere, they'll be like, you know what? I think I want to come do that again. He immediately, like, as soon as he got out of his car, we I, we ran after his car in the garage because he had to, he, he wrecked, uh, he had to go to his garage to all park it, and then he was waiting for the medical cart to come because he had to take the mandatory ride. So he gets out of his car, all these fans are flocking around and all this stuff. He, like, immediately is, like, looking at the crashed car and, like, signing autographs at the same time, like, goes over to the autograph <laughs> window. I mean, he's, you know, it's Travis Pastrana, just, like, so fan great personality, though. Like, Unbelievable. I mean, I've never, this is my first opportunity to really cover him, and great like great oh. quote entertaining excitable like some of you like as from our side you're like i'd like more of him please what a come, dream. come race over here more yeah. often but i get you you see why like he fans gravitate towards him though oh absolutely like he's just got this vibe this positive energy about him it's it's great yeah he really knows how to relate to people um but what i was going to say was so he immediately gets out of his car and he's like nope nope this was my last this is my only day 500 one and done that's it like there was no like, no, I might, I'll think about doing it again sometime or, you know, I might like to come back to NASCAR or, you know, whatever. Like it was just like, nope, that was my only day 2500. That was it. He checked it off his list. Yeah. There you go. He almost got a top 10 in doing so. <laughs> yes, he did. Like for him, that's, that's good. He was, he just wanted to make it and yeah. then to actually have a pretty good result. Um, he was the highest finishing 2311 racing car. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Bubba and uh, Tyler Reddick crashed out, and That's then right, Bubba yeah. finished twentieth. Uh, oh yeah, okay. I didn't know. I didn't realize where Bubba finished. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess he didn't get a top ten, so he was probably mm-hmm. one of the highest finishing Toyotas. I yeah. guess Bell wasn't Bell in the top ten. Uh, Bell finished third. Yeah. And yeah, he was the second highest finishing. Second highest finishing Toyota. He Toyota. finished better than Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Yeah, Hamlin was seventeenth. Yep. Wow. How about that? <laughs> if I would have said going into this race. 
if would you take Pastrana or Hamlin to finish better? Oh, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like the head-to-head stuff. Well, you know, there's like another bet that you can do that people like to look at um, that I think is like the highest. I never saw the odds for this, but like the highest driver from a manufacturer. And I bet like Pastrana would have been oh, yeah. the longest for Toyota easily, right? I would think so, um, yeah. I mean, he almost got that. Like if Bell, <laughs> it, something happened to Bell. Um, boy, that is that is a crazy one. Um, and also uh, Cody Ware, top Cody 15. Ware? Zach, uh, yeah, Cody Ware had a great run. Um, also, Zane Smith. Zane Smith, 13th place, yep. right? Um, Corey LaJoy, who was up there all day, really had a good run. Re- so what what happened to him? Because on the on the last restart, for the second overtime restart, I looked up, and he was behind the restart order. He was behind some cars that, like, had been in wrecks and stuff. Did, did he get a piece of one at some point? I'm, I, I didn't see it. But he, I, I don't know what why he was back there because i thought when i I guess what i thought he would have been up higher like because i i didn't think he got anything big he might have pitted i'm looking at the the report and he is not listed in being one of the accents now there was were some guys who were concerned about fuel if i'm not mistaken if i remember correctly right so that could have pit exactly so and maybe that was it and so but he again good run though good respectable run and like he's here with a good finish and that's good. What did they give him? Sixteenth or something? Yeah, sixteenth. Yeah, sixteenth. Yeah. Let me so, double check that here. Um, yeah, he he continues to on super speedways at least finish the races. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's that's important. Fifteenth for Corey. Oh, fifteenth. Yeah. Okay. Well, another top fifteen then. How about Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski? This is going to hurt for them, right? This is going to be one they look back on and think, man, this got away. Yeah, I tell you what. I mean, both them. Everything set up, up in their up. late thirties. They they both had a teammate with yeah, them. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like everything set up, they had they were ahead of the teammate. They had a teammate behind them, and I would say a teammate who was committed to working with them, like was willing to like be second fiddle in a way. Like hey, and it was they had fast race cars, and it just went from. What went, do you think? Let's say Daniel Suarez doesn't spin, and cause that caution. Yeah. Because at that point. It was setting up to be really interesting because you had the RFK guys one two, uh-huh. and then the RCR guys were three four with Byron behind them, so another Chevy, and they were sort of waiting. I mean, do you think that Bush and Dylan could have gone and made a move and gotten around those Fords? And I think they sure as heck would have tried. And uh, Byron would have come with them. I would think so. And then and Stenhouse was behind Byron at that yeah. point. And I think I th- and this is just my opinion but i think when you look at austin Dillon and the role that he has kind of had at rcr now we brought he was really kind of the guy who was the catalyst for bringing in kyle and he has said that he is he's content with where he's at and he wants to make sure kyle i think he would have been very he's a company first guy right i'm saying that i think he would have been very happy very content and very happy pushing kyle to the win and having an R- RCR 1-2 one, one, two finish, finish at Daytona in Kyle's first race. Kyle gets his Daytona win, yeah, the first start. Been huge for the company. Huge for the company. Justifies the decision. Makes Austin. I, mean, I just. I think he would have been. I think he would have been very content to push Kyle. I, I think they would have been hard to beat. Meanwhile, what else can Brad Kozlowski possibly do? He's led the most laps in the Daytona 500 for two straight years, right? Yeah. Um, and nothing to show he for. He seems it. to be up front, and he's a great super speedway racer. And it's getting late. I mean, uh, he he'll have a few more tries sure. at it. Good but you don't know. It, but like, yeah, you don't. You... Yeah, you can't even. I mean, look at 
you know, Chase Elliott or somebody like that or today that this is like, well, got taken out, just yeah. running and that's it. So you don't even know if you're going to be able to be there at the end. You can't control that. And to be so close. And then, and then not only that, like the last two years, but I mean, you go back to Keselowski with the Logano one uh, where they, they hit. Oh yeah. Um, 2021. You know that this is a, yeah, this is a tough string. He, 2000, 13 he was leading late and then jimmy passed him yeah i mean he's starting to add up i mean near misses yeah it's tough i mean again though it's like it's tempting to measure greatness i mean we just did like this whole nascar 75 project right and for everybody every driver we're looking through and saying well and they also won this many daytona 500s Mm -hmm. we're adding that to their resume this guy's a three-time winner this guy's a four-time winner whatever right and you know, it, it matters. But then at the same time, you could say, well, this guy is clearly one of the best drivers, just like Tony Stewart was. Um, and Dale Earnhardt for so long. But, you know, Dale Earnhardt finally got one. But, uh, you know, there's no guarantee mm-hmm. at all that you're going to get Rusty one. Rusty Wallace, it's number one. The Mark, Martin. Front, Mark Martin. And the unfortunate reality is it's always going to be an asterisk, right? They're a great driver. Tony Stewart won three championships. I, I said this. Tony Stewart won three championships. But... He never won Daytona. He never won this. And that's the thing with Brad and Kyle. That's the one thing they're missing on their resumes. They've won every other major race but the Daytona 500. Yeah. But yet it's not necessarily like could they have done anything different tonight? I, don't, I, think I mean, you could I don't know. Maybe you pick a different lane on the restart Yeah, or so that's an interesting. They don't split the teammates. Yeah, so they were a lot. Were you listening to that debate? Yeah, with the, which one? The RCR? Oh, the RCR debate yeah, on what uh-huh. to do. It was interesting to see how they were deciding what to do. Like, do we start side by side, and then do we let one teammate in? Do we line up behind each other and just get a great restart and push? It was, a, it was an interesting dynamic there and how to do that. But, but that <clears throat> it ended up working because after the restart, um, Dylan ends up getting in line behind Bush yep. anyway. So it, Much to do about nothing. It, it was fine. But, um, yeah, I mean, the choose rules – sort of taking a whole different dynamic into this thing now like what do we do do we cover both lanes or do we try to line up behind each other and push i would have thought you would line up behind each other and push but then i think the rfk teammates kind of did that on they, the bottom yep. right and stenhouse got the top and he was like okay thank you mm-hmm. um so yeah i and that was the rfk plan was in stage three was to make sure that Brad and Chris got linked up. And, and they did. St- and, stayed and they did everything perfect, and it yeah. just went sideways at the end, literally. Man, that's tough. It's going to sting. This is going to be one they look back on, I think, yeah. and say, dang, we should have won this one. Well, speaking of sting, um, you would really think it has to hurt for Joey Logano because, <laughs> I mean, even when you and I ran out to the fan zone afterwards and we're seeing the replay for the first time yeah. on those TVs in the fan zone, yeah. I'm looking up, and I, I don't know if you could hear me over there. I heard I you, and like, I, like, I was I'm, like, hey, I think Logano was. No, and I, and I immediately, as soon as you said it, looked, and I'm like watching the lights, and the lights were not on. It, exactly. was, it was clear. It was they, NASCAR got this right. Well, NASCAR got it right, but they waited. They did wait. Which I thought was really interesting because they've had a really quick caution for some of the races this weekend. Xfinity, there was a couple quick ones. And this one. I mean, the, the the Larson, when Larson gets hooked into the wall right there. Brady went slamming into the wall, too. It was That was like a violent yeah. hit. And I thought, you know, because obviously NASCAR likes to try to let it play out if they can in the last lap. But then they say, well, if we see a really violent hit, we immediately do it because we need to get the safety trucks mm-hmm. out there, right? And so 
yeah, that the light just it was just like a I don't know, one and a half, two seconds extra. But that's all that Stenhouse needed because when when Larson hits the wall, it it looks like Logano's slightly ahead. Mm-hmm. And by the time it's actually triggered with the lights, it's Stenhouse. It's all matters, blink of an eye. But that's that's gotta be tough for Logano. Yeah, that would have been a second Daytona win too. And we talk about legacies, right? That coming off a championship. Still a championship, another Daytona five hundred win, and that's uh yeah. That's a real tone setter. That's a real coming big, off the championship yeah. stuff, yeah. Um would have been Paul Wolf's uh first Daytona win too. Hmm. Didn't think about that. He's never won with Brad. Well, as it is, uh Logano is the points leader uh over Busher. Okay. And Stenhouse is third. <laughs> okay. Um because of the stage points from mm-hmm. the duels and things like yep. that. So um obviously, you know, things will get shaken up. Fontana, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you know, just uh, it was it was a weird speed week to me because you know, okay, so you look at the truck race, right? Mm-hmm. Truck race, they start it, rain. Try to go back to green, rain. Um, they race a decent amount, then it rains. They try to dry the track. Looks like they're going to get it dry. Try to go back out, no rain. Race over, right? Xfinity race. Um, ooh, it's going to be a good finish. Here we go. Austin Hill, what's going to happen here? Uh, caution on the last lap. Race over, no finish. Daytona 500, double overtime, very exciting, but caution on the last, you know. You didn't have a lap. finish at the checkered flag. Nobody finished. No, you didn't have a You didn't have a come down to the checkered flag, and who's the winner? It was not. That's weird. Yeah. All I wonder three? if it's happened before. Probably, but I don't remember it. It's probably happened before. I'm yeah, sure it is. This is a weird place, but... Um, yeah, it's just kind of an odd, like we never saw, there was no <laughs> highlight reel of somebody yeah. crossing the lawn side by side. I mean, I guess you had the duels. Those don't count. But yeah. Um, uh, and anyway, I mean, Arca even was kind of a little jerky and, uh, it was kind of like, I'm sorry, Arca, Arca had a jerky race at Daytona. Well, that never I happens. mean, at times, at times. I'm shocked. Um, anyway, yeah, it was just kind of weird, like all three. All three of the big races. It was a weird. I don't say weird, right? It was a different speed weeks, and that you didn't have any like overarching dominant storyline that kind of cropped up, or you didn't have any like controversy that popped up. I mean, a year ago we were talking about wheels, you know, mm, and part point. shortages and everything else, and it just. I mean, you had storylines. Don't get me wrong, but it just didn't feel like you had like that buzzy, like ooh, kind of you know, juicy thing to kind of. Wonder about like even last year's Daytona race and the 500 itself, you had wheels coming off. Like we had all the talk about because the RFK wheels before it going into the race, and then the wheels were falling off in the race, and it was like, I don't know, just you kind of missed. Well, it. it was the next gen's first real yeah, it was race that too. And, yep. Um, but I think I think you know when we talked about it already on our other on our preview podcast too, but the lack of practice. Oh. Um, yeah. You know that that kind of knocks down a storyline because you can't look at it and be like, "Whoa, looks like these guys are really fast." Mm-hmm. And then, oh, then they won the duel also, or whatever it is. Or somebody you know? crashed in practice. What's right? That? You know, they're gonna bring a backup car. And right, right, right. How are they gonna overcome this mm-hmm. kind of thing? I mean, so in your mind, what was the biggest storyline of these speed weeks? I mean, Jimmy's return was maybe one of the bigger storylines. Um, and by the way, that was, uh, you know, unfortunately he ends up crashing out, but Heck of a show. Um, he had a really, Jimmy had a really good run. Yeah. I mean, Boyer, I agreed with Boyer on the broadcast when he's like, I'm surprised Jimmy's in the top 10. And, and, 
um, you know, Tony Stewart was like, no, you know, he could, he could go walk on Lake Lloyd, you know, he could do anything, but okay. Yeah. But I mean, to not have much experience, uh, in the next gen at all, and then to be away from the sport for a couple of years and just to come jump right back into the Daytona 500, uh, certainly hadn't raced this on super speedways, this package with this car or whatever, uh, to be, I mean, he was running top five. Yeah. He was in the top easily. Yeah. I mean, that was it's a really impressive run. Good for, run for him, opinion. and it, yeah, he deserves a, lot, deserves a lot of kudos, and really patiently worked his way up and put himself in the mix, and, and more than I think what we expected. So what? So what's the biggest? What was the biggest story coming out of this? <sighs> That's a really good question. Um, probably upset. Just another day, another, another yeah upset, another yeah. Daytona upset is probably the bigger storyline. I can't think of anything else. I, you know what? I take that back. I think maybe it is, and I, and I think probably Kyle and Brad missing out because this was an opportunity for them. This was, especially Kyle losing in his you know debut race with RCR and what that would have meant. I think that is going to probably be something that's yeah going to be probably talked about a lot. Hmm. Interesting. Well, do you want to uh, any other anything else from like the Daytona Five Hundred? itself we were sitting in the uh driver's meeting room where there was a pretty decent amount of celebrities today did you see pete davidson walking around with his hood on and stuff? yeah i pointed him out to you i'm like hey, yeah. i think that's pete davidson and you're like is it i'm like i think i'm not i, I, was, I like, trying to do I, his like best disguise yeah and i merely suck when it comes to like spotting celebrities well it's you not, spotted him first i know which is yeah. I, but I wasn't sure it was him is what i'm saying so like yeah because you know, he was wearing a he was wearing his hood up and he had like these huge sunglasses on yeah. bath pro like, shops, uh, jacket on. And yeah, yeah, that was really weird. And he even wore the hood in the driver's meeting. He um, did. Yeah. Uh, but I did like the fact he's walking around drinking a bush light. Yeah. The <laughs> whole time. Was, that was great. Like he had a, he had a bush light or some sort of a beer in his hand. It was like, bush constantly. light. I but I mean, there was, I think there was multiple, obviously. <laughs> hey, I respect that. Uh, Good for yeah. him. I, of course I saw the first driver to go up and, get a picture with him noah gregson i'm immediately made a beeline for him yeah shocked um <laughs> anyway uh well i i mean we could talk about fontana if you want now yeah go for it i'm looking and seeing the else thing and jumped out at me uh almondinger and blaney both had nice comebacks today Blaney did from the damage Ooh, he had yeah he did uh finished eighth almondinger Made a crazy move to get stay on the lead lap. Or stay Dude, he like pissed everybody <laughs> off by, but, but he, it worked it out. Worked. He got the lucky dog. Yeah, and he was back up fighting for the lead and looked like uh, Almendinger's. I'm telling you, when you take the clash, oh my God, him yeah. pissing people off, yeah, and you take this, he's gonna make people so mad this year. Oh, yeah. There's there's gonna be like probably some sort of a fight with Almendinger. Let me know when. Almendinger I'll go record point. it. Uh, I mean, I. You're I there too. Also, you, yeah. you have to see your, uh, what else here? Ross Chastain had a couple incidents, but he came back and finished top 10. That was good. Well, what hurt him was, you know, like he wins stage two and then he immediately speeds Yeah, on pit road. Yep. And it was like, Ooh, Ross Chastain's going to be in control of this race. And, um, that could be intriguing. Cause he's really, you know, he's, he's good up front, um, aggressive. He won Talladega mm -hmm. last year. Um, and then he sped and lost the track position and yeah, he had, he came back, but one other quick note, Martin Tricks Jr., um, strong run today. Another veteran who's made a lot of starts here. Never won, never won a Super Speedway race, period, by the way. And he's won both stages a year ago, doesn't win. Dominant, or really looked like he had a really good, potentially dominant car today. And another one gets by for him. And that is a guy who, you know, unlike Brad and Kyle, is much closer to the end of his career than mm -hmm. those guys are. 
And Harvick's uh, last Harvick's run today, last race, so yeah. he'll end his uh, career with one Daytona yep. 500, that thriller over Mark Martin. That was good. Fontana. Okay, Fontana. Uh, I'm already getting sad. Oh, okay. I'm already getting sad. I'm already getting hit in the feels for this one. All right. Lots of nostalgia, not lots of uh, great memories being there. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot next week, but um, yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm just like staring off into space thinking about it. I, I'm I'm sad. You need a hug? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm you know the racetrack, Jeff. Good lord. Yeah, but you, you think about. You know, think about all these racetracks and the memories that are created there. I guess what I'm worried about is, is this the last Fontana race, period? Like, it would make me feel better if they were like, hey, this is the last two-mile race, but we're definitely converting into short track. The fact that they it, it's still so up in the air okay, and there's, so like, a chance, like, we don't really know. Well, go ahead. I, I checked on this because I, I – I, I, so, I, first of all, I asked – Auto Club President Dave Allen this question at the Coliseum, and he was adamant. Well, he said his words were, all the momentum is going toward creating, making this into a two-mile track. But yes, but I asked him if they would return, though, and I, you know, and he, I, he was pretty adamant about that. And so I did checking. I further checked on this because there was some talk. Steve Phelps, Steve O'Donnell, and I believe Steve Phelps both made comments this week. And kind of, depending Steve on... Steve O'Donnell to Sports Business Journal's Adam Stern yep. said... Uh, I think Stern had asked him, like, are you, is there a chance that you still might just get rid of Fontana or it might disappear? And he, and O'Donnell's quote, I think, was, it's fair to say that we're evaluating what we're going to do with that market. So I checked on that a little bit to see, like, hey, what's going on? Is there a chance that Fontana could be sold or whatever? And I was told, no. Like, it is, it is, all systems are go to go forward with this conversion and that they're going to return to Fontana. And that, OD's comments, when you look at them in, in the whole, in the context of them, was more about L.A. and that market, and that maintaining a presence in L.A. was important as Fontana comes off the schedule, at least for one year, if not two years. Okay. Well, again, but there is going to be a doubt. Lot can like, change, and, and, and it's not for sure. And that's the thing is like this so whole. I don't want to. I don't want to go to next week's race and be like, oh, we'll be back. We'll be you back. You can't. Because, and it's fair, though, because this whole thing, we first reported this back in um, 2020. S- September 2020, and it's been it's always been kind of a moving target of, it, oh, it's going to be this. And, it's gonna be this. and again, I get it. You're in pandemic, supply, sh- all of that stuff. It's not easy to get stuff done in California, but it's never been like a definitive, like, ground the shovels in the ground we're doing this like and we're going to be back here it's always just kind of been a rolling target and so when you have that and then you had what happened at the coliseum the success there like it's a fair question yeah well that's what i'm you know that's what i'm concerned Uh, about but either way even if they are coming back i think that it's worth you know giving a tribute to that two mile oval which was so maligned for so long um you know, it was the first track that sort of had the attendance problems. You know, mm-hmm. it was like the tip when they had two races a year. And, you it didn't know, help that made, one of them was on Labor Day weekend. Yes. And, you know, people made fun of Gillian Zucker for saying that the fans were under the stands. Remember that whole thing? <laughs> right. That was a big thing because she said there was a lot of fans here. They were under the stands, which I think. I, I, what I get what she's was, saying. Yeah. A lot of Southern California fans, it's more a casual fan base. They walk around during the race. And it made the, the the huge grandstands that they used to have before they started taking big parts out. It made them look sparse. And at the time, people were not used to sparse mm-hmm. grandstands in NASCAR. Now, of course, you see that a lot of places. But um, 
you know, and so it ends up losing a race. But then as the asphalt aged so nicely, it becomes one of NASCAR's best tracks and puts on, in what was my opinion, the, the race of the year last year with the next gen car. Um, and I think the next race, next week's race is going to be very good. I'm very excited, super optimistic. And so if that does happen that way, it's just going to be sad to be like, man, that's it. It's the end of this. We'll never see this again. You can never go back and recreate it. You know, once, once they start tearing it up, it's gone. Just give me a short track. I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm we, not so, I mean, okay. If you, if I knew that short tracks, if I could look in the future and say, oh, don't worry, don't worry, future self. Short tracks turn out okay, and they made it all better. It's easier to figure out an aero package for a short track than it is for an intermediate track. And history says that if you build a short track, you're gonna that you have a better chance of having a better race on that than you're gonna have on a two mile oval. Especially if you look at the configuration they're gonna do, which is gonna be a high banked, tight track. It's gonna lend itself to contact and tight racing. You know, who said it was gonna be? High bank. It's going to be uh, it's a, basically a Bristol Martinsville hybrid. They've, we talked. We thanks for remembering the story that I did back in 2020. Yeah, but they've said that the plans are very uncertain and constantly. Changing, I have heard so. nothing that the, I've heard. I've heard nothing about the configuration changing. Okay. So if it, let me let me phrase it. If this if it stays as the configuration that we've been told and it doesn't change, and I've heard nothing that says that it will, then that 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 to me is a very promising layout. All right. Well, let's hope. Uh, and you know what. Jordan, I'm just excited to have racing back, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, this was race one of, well, I guess it's race two of 38, but one of 36. Points races, yeah. Points races. And, uh, you know, the season's here. Now we're in the rhythm. Now we've got uh, one more uh, cup off weekend for the rest of the season, and it's just going to be rolling. Yeah. So Fontana, the West Coast Swing's coming up. Fontana, Vegas, Phoenix, then off to Atlanta. Um, so we'll know a lot more about how the season's going to look after that. Should, um, should have a pretty good idea. Yeah. We'll be able to see. I mean, I think the West coast swing with the, you know, having the big, big oval with kind of worn out asphalt. And then you have an intermediate with Vegas. That's pretty much a traditional intermediate for the most part. And then you have the short track type package at Phoenix, the, you know, the one mile oval. Um, we'll be able to look at those races and say, okay, we were maybe seeing potentially, a yeah, here, potentially. Right? I mean, it's not going to be as unpredictable as the next gen and first year was, where we're just like, I no, have no idea. No, you should. I just I go back to last year, like Kyle Larson wins at Fontana, coming off this historically great season. You're like, this guy's never going to lose, right? Doesn't really. He was doesn't really much of a championship factor the rest of the year, and then you go to to Vegas. Alex Bowman wins and doesn't win the rest of the year, and then goes into like a. Alex Bowman said that you're his biggest fan. I, I am. Yes, go Alex Bowman. He said that in a press conference. He did say that in a press conference. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, he he. Good congratulations on the contract extension. He's much <laughs> deserved. I almost picked him for my final four. Does he listen to the podcast? I don't know if he listens or not, but or people that, there are people him. there are people that listen that tell him or people mention on Twitter. Again, I'm not. He's, he's he's perfectly acceptable driver. I'm not saying he's a bad. I never said he was a bad driver ever. What a high praise! Perfectly acceptable. He's a he's a good driver. He wins at the cup. He's like it is. He's won. Every year he's been in Hendrick except his first year, and he's made the playoffs every year. He's perfectly acceptable. All I've said. <laughs> I can't. That's the highest praise. 
you could get them. That's how I feel about the Daytona 500. It's perfectly, perfectly acceptable. Yeah, that's how today. I felt too. Like I, I'm, I, I said that. Check all my boxes. I'm perfectly acceptable. It's a good thing. It could be a lot worse. And like he is a good driver at Hendrick. He fits it very well there, and so he deserved a contract extension. No one's arguing that. My point always was like when you look at his production versus his teammates, it's not. It doesn't always stack up. That's a fair criticism. So, Regardless. But okay. go back to last year. And so he wins at Las Vegas, whatever the rest of the year, right? And then Chase Briscoe wins. I'm sorry, Bowman won at Vegas. Yeah. Chase Briscoe wins at Phoenix. He doesn't do much into the rest of the year. Like, so I just, you don't know. And it's like, we'll see how this goes. But I will say this you go back to Fontana last year, and the track house cars were fast. And you're like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, is this a one week thing? Eric Jones was really fast. And so. There are going to be glimmers there. You just kind of got to figure out and discern what's what. Well, Suarez, at least. I mean, Suarez almost won that he race did. last year. But remember, um, Chastain had a really bad wreck in practice, and he was like the first one to really have a big hit mm-hmm. in the next gen um, in that sense. But, um, yeah, I was just trying to think of other things that I would consider perfectly acceptable uh, as my highest praise. But definitely Tell not your the- wife that she's perfectly acceptable. Let me know what she says. See, this is why you're not married. This is if, if that's what you're telling women. Uh, no, I was going to say that the the NASCAR 75th party was more than perfectly acceptable, oh. even though you didn't you didn't think so. I, I'm sorry, but I was at the truck race. I only got there for like the last five minutes. There was no truck race. There was a it truck was race. rain. I saw every lap of the truck race. <laughs> Jordan Jordan's poking at me because I left during the rain delay of the truck race, clearly thinking there was not going to be any more racing. Looked at the radar. <laughs> you really honestly thought there'd be no more racing. And there wasn't. But did you think that though? Yes. Okay. I was like, "This is done." All right. There's no. This is done. I'm going to this NASCAR 75th party. I got an invitation. Nobody invites me to parties. I mean, gosh, you're walking up to people in the garage today and going, "Hey, let's smoke cigars sometime." I'm like, "Whoa, Jordan's never invited me to smoke cigars anywhere." You live in Denver. Yeah, we're we're here right now in Daytona. I'm sorry. First of all, I've never smoked a cigar, so. Oh, see. I mean, but I didn't get invited anyway. But anyway, nobody invites me to parties, so I got invited to the. NASCAR 75th party and okay. it turns out that world famous international like sensation DJ Diplo is playing this party right mm-hmm. first of all your reaction was who is that I a big no deal I had no idea who this was anyway it was a big deal so and famous I, I, had sho- no idea. I showed you videos that like he usually plays in front of like 100,000 people yeah. this thing this thing because it's during the rain delayed truck race I guess ends up he ends up playing to like I don't know like 60 people or something who were actually like into his music and dancing. Someone told me, described it as a high school dance. Well, it was, it was in a small college gymnasium. It had a high school dance field. And they didn't Um, mean that like disrespectfully. He was like like playing to like the size of like somebody's wedding or something, except he's like freaking, I was like, Oh my God, this is like unbelievably, you can't even imagine how crazy this was. I was so excited about it. And Jordan just popped my balloon You're on every. Fanboying again over this. <laughs> I wasn't fanboying. I was you just fanboying. You just you have like this giddy like <laughs> smile on your face. It was You're unbelievable. Like, you are glowing, sir. Because I'm telling you, you take like this ma- major like person who plays at giant music festivals, like Lollapalooza style music festivals, mm-hmm. and he's playing to like people th- smaller than the amount of seats in this driver's meeting room right now. Who were like up at the stage dancing? Yeah, like don't, that was like wow. So I'll, you really get starstruck, don't you? I wasn't starstruck. I was like, that's cool. That, you almost that's a, attacked him po- after the show. No, I was trying to get a picture. Uh, I, was I, I to saw get a picture I, of I, him. I, like seriously, I thought security was going to be called. 
he walked out into the crowd afterwards because there were so few people. <laughs> he just started walking around. It probably, I just thought, oh, he just introduced himself to everybody. I'll take a picture for my Instagram photo dump. Yeah. Anyway, um, we two of the track presidents, yeah. um, who I did not know um, before this, Latasha from Phoenix and Lori from Richmond, mm-hmm. um, NASCAR put together a, a dinner mm-hmm. with them. Um, or We're both big fans of the podcast, by the way. So thanks for listening. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that part. Hey, yeah, did we talk about dinner? Remember? Well, her Lori's husband. Yeah, I thought you said. Yeah, she is, is a too. fan she of likes yours. Pod- she likes podcasts too. No, but she said you're, she's a fan, he's a fan of yours. Not, yes, not me. But they both like the podcast, though. Okay. Well, anyway, so after afterwards, like I I come out and I'm like gushing because I'm like, wow, I can't believe I just saw you Diplo. literally like shook both your hands in the air and you were like shaking. It was just like, I, I don't think that was the case. Oh, but yes. anyway, oh yes. Cause we were, we were the three of us. I was very excited to, to talk to them about and express my enthusiasm over what just happened. And you were just like bursting my, like you, you could have not shot me down anymore. It was, it was, it was a little humiliating. Much. It was a little much. Oh, me was a little much. It or was you a shooting little, me down was a little much. It was a little over the top. I mean, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm. I've, I. Why am I not allowed to like enjoy something? You can I have to enjoy be like, it. It's yeah, fine. it was cool. Yeah, Diplo. It was fine. It was cool. It was whatever. Fine. You do fine. you. I even said. I even told you multiple times. Like, I'm really happy you got to enjoy this experience. I'm grateful. You. Your fan. You need board. to find something in your life that you would enjoy as much as I enjoyed. I do. What breaking news? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Oh my God! You know that's you don't tr- see the problem with this. No, that's work. Yeah. What about something like uh, entertainment or a hobby that you would get excited about? I don't have hobbies. <laughs> oh well, I'll tell you what. Next time you break news <laughs> and you're like, "I'm so excited! I broke this big story." I'm just gonna be like, "Cool, you're way too excited about this, buddy." Like, back it down. It's not <laughs> big of a deal. Like, I tell you all the time, I like, I'll have like a really good story idea about something, or what I think is a really good story idea, and other people, like, I'll bounce it off of them, and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go throw it at Jeff and see what he thinks. And you're like, oh, yeah. Eh. That's true, I do. And you, like, shrug your shoulders all of the time. Well, I can't hide my, you're like, this is a great story. I'm like, and you're just like, oh, that's well, stupid. That's, that's all right. <laughs> I guess I do first year bubble. You do too. it all the time. I, I mean, I, you know what? I'm just going to, next time you, whatever you say, I'm just like, I'm just gonna and, then they, and, and, then, and then more often than not, they like hit and then I love it. And then you'll come back to me like, yeah, okay. That turned out pretty well. I'm telling you my whole life model now is perfectly acceptable. <laughs> I'm just going to say that for yeah. everything. No matter what you say. I, it's, if you notice, it's one of my go-to sayings. No, I've never heard it before. Tonight, oh yeah. I, I say it all the time. It's perfectly acceptable. Well, I love it. Which is something that's just, I fine. think I'm going to name the podcast that. Wow. Okay. Perfect. This, tonight, tonight's episode is going to be called perfectly. Acceptable. I love it. Okay. Now people will understand the title when they get to the end of this after over an hour. All right. All right. Well, that's all I have to say about this because, I mean, I don't know. What else was there? We covered everything. Yeah, it was fine. All right. We'll be back with you guys. Perfectly acceptable. Next week. It's not fine, Jeff. It's perfectly acceptable. And uh, the good news is uh, before our next um, teardown, at least on the teardown feed, if you're listening to this on like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, the 12 questions with Joey Logano, which I had a lot of fun with, will come out um, in the middle of the week. That's some, so I don't one one of these days, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't know. It'll, it'll appear in the same feed. So, um, yes. And if you want to subscribe to our work uh, and see all our coverage that we've been up to in Daytona, uh, we'd really love to have your support. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a long season ahead, and we're going to try to do a lot of good work for you guys. 
And uh, so, yeah, if you could go to theathletic.com slash teardown and uh, subscribe to read our stuff, we'd, we'd really appreciate that. And thanks to all the people that said nice things about us, our podcast this weekend that we ran to it. So great. I, it thrills me when people come up to me and tell me they listen to the podcast. It blows my mind. It's, uh, it is a highlight. It is, uh, it's very humbling. Okay. Well, I think it's perfectly acceptable that they said that, but I don't think it's that. I wouldn't get too excited, Jordan. Like it's fine. No, I'm honored. I'm not excited. I'm honored. And like, I wouldn't get that. Uh, It's, it's fine. Listen to some stupid music. All right. See you guys. Bye.